Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We're back at it again. We've got some good news to share here on this Movie Monday. Ben Davies, the fine actor from Courageous, and um, he was in uh, he was in War Room, done so many different projects. It's part of a new adventure on uh, Pure Flix called Cream of the Crop, which is actually inspired by actual events. And Ben's going to join me to talk about that and also a role that he plays. He's kind of a bottom line show fan in the sense that he is, in addition to being a great actor, he is working on a new podcast that is uh, hosted by a guy you might actually recognize with uh, our friends. I believe it's either The Daily Wire or it's at Blaze TV. But anyway, I didn't know that uh, he had those chops. So it's going to be a good conversation. Um, Also, we're going to do a little analysis, balance, and clarity this hour on something that you may have wondered about. I know I have been very curious. It seems like the, you know, there's always kind of a political element to the late night talk shows. And, uh, you know, Johnny Carson used to get his little barbs in every now and again, and it was usually rather clever. Now, every network has a late night talk show host, and the vast majority of them are um, pretty vulgar. Uh, pretty anti-family you know unless it's a guy like jimmy kimball who will come on and say yeah my son had an issue at a hospital and i'm I'm grateful for the the, very tearful heartfelt whatever and then he'll bag on pro-life communities and people who support you know ending abortion laws and stuff so it's just kind of confusing but you have to ask the question have we gotten so far gone in our culture that those guys are just reflecting what the culture is okay with I mean, the, the, the polls would tell you, George Barnes is going to join me later this week to talk about uh, the seven pillars of a biblical worldview. Actually, next week. And um, the seven cornerstone foundational principles and how few people actually have them and why it's really no mystery as to why America is not a Christian nation anymore. And I realize there are people who would say, we've always been a Christian nation and we just got to turn back to God. I think we were founded on biblical principles, but I would argue, I think pretty passionately, that we are not a Christian nation. And especially now with what you're seeing in the culture, we shouldn't be surprised. One of the things I think that gets frustrating, frustrating is to see the world kind of look at those who would say America, you know, God, country, Bible, Chevrolet, <laughs> remember that whole baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, um, and, and say, well, that's not America, that's racist, and it's homophobic and xenophobic, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's frustrating for us as Christians who know what America can be to hear people say, well, it's not that way. But I really honestly believe if we are going to engage the culture, the first thing we have to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel, whether that nation that hears that gospel is a quote-unquote Christian nation or not. I mean, can you believe it? What would happen in the world if the only places you could really live out your faith were Christian nations? I mean, (laughs) there'd be no Christians, right? There'd be no evangelizing and whatever. So this is where we are as a culture. And I think there's an important distinction to make for us as Christians between are we in the body of Christ going out and living out the Great Commission Or are we in the body of Christ spending so much time focusing on the way it used to be for us as Christians, how easy it used to be with the the culture basically agreed with biblical principles as the standard of morality and then went, okay, well, if you're following this, then, you know, this is the American way. It's also a biblical worldview. If you're going against it, then we know what's wrong. I mean, the, the, the counterculture of the 1960s and 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, had to go counter the culture. They had to go against what the culture was doing. 
And to do so, it was not just an accepted standard of this is the way people think we should be able to live, but rather it was a, this is the standard as in these are the standards. And they were biblical. I mean, the Ten Commandments was the foundation for law. Now, it didn't mean that law was always fairly meted out. It didn't mean that people all received justice, but there was a standard. It's a reason why there was outrage. You know, I mean, if, if the laws were broken or if the laws were misapplied. You know, that, that's not just us being good people. Remember, the whole uh, foundation of the United States is we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal, endowed with certain inalienable rights by their creator and the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, the, the idea, I think very well stated, that we don't believe that the rights come from government, but the rights come from God. And we codify God's law into man's temporal law. But nowadays, it seems like anybody will just kind of make whatever law up they want that suits their own desires. 2 Timothy 4, 3, whatever their itching ears want to hear becomes the standard. And that leads us to the culture that we're in right now where people will look at the preborn child, for example, and say that's not a human being. Or what was it? Uh, uh, congressional minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries, who could have potentially been the Speaker of the House if some crazy Republicans had gotten their way. He's a pro-abortion supporting Democrat. Gave a pretty impassioned speech last Friday where he basically said, hey, this whole transgender stuff, I mean, basically what you're saying is biological males are competing against women. Well, that's not happening. So uh, let's get back to fighting for the rights of trans women. He summarily dismissed the accusations of people like Riley Gaines and others, the Connecticut High School girls track team members, simply because he said, look, it's not like actual men are putting on girls' clothing and running the races and swimming the swimming. So to his definition, a woman then is anybody who is either, uh, you know, born biologically as a woman or who identifies as a woman is taking steps to become a woman and that's where that but that's what leftism does that's what progressivism does progressivism hears the heartbeat of a human being baby in the womb and says that's not that that's a, that's a fetal rhythm you know that's that's a palpitation that's not a heartbeat i've seen leading uh, what was it? it was like discovery or scientific american one of the maybe national geographic I, I don't have the exact reference in front of me here on my computer but it was a scientific publication that actually posted pictures of what looked like blurred white lights and they actually had the courage to print and say describe the white lights as this is what the human fetus looks like at 10 weeks of gestation now nothing could be further from the truth any scientist worth his or her weight in salt can look at different gestational stages and say, look, at six weeks, the baby can do this. And at seven weeks, the baby can do this. And at eight weeks, the baby can do that. Now, no one expects a 10-week-old baby to survive outside his or her mother's womb. But when we started the Bottom Line Show 12 years ago, no one expected a baby born at 26 or 27 weeks gestation would survive let alone have a life that wasn't marred with physical and emotional and uh, psychological challenges. And now we're hearing of babies born at 21 weeks, 20 weeks. You know, babies that are, you know, they, they weigh the, the <laughs> they're as heavy as a loaf of bread and they can make it. 
I mean, the science has improved so dramatically. It used to be a baby born three weeks early was called premature. Now there are babies that are born uh, three months early, four months early. And yet, with all of the technology that we have, and all of the opportunities that parents have to become parents, either biological parents find out they're pregnant, they want to become parents, so they give birth to the child, raise the child, or parents that find out they're pregnant, give birth to the child and release that child for adoption. Or in half the states of the U.S., parents who uh, find out they're pregnant and they decide to abort the child. Please don't use the term terminate the pregnancy. There are two ways a pregnancy is terminated. First is with a live birth. We call that a live birth. The second is, unfortunately, something that does happen naturally in a woman's body when the child does not survive the full term of pregnancy. And once the child's life ends naturally in the womb in that way, her body then makes a way for the, uh, that child's body to be disposed. We call that a miscarriage. And it's a heartbreaking, heart-wrenching uh, situation. Uh, I can think of several uh, people whom I know, some very well, who've gone through this. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's so challenging. And especially for the, you hear from parents who say we had five miscarriages, we had six miscarriages. For the grandparents who've been wanting to hold that grandchild, you know, and just love on that boy or girl and how wonderful it is. And, and we live in a culture now that is just so confused about what gender means and when does life begin? But a lot of people in the pro-life community, I think, mistakenly believed that all we had to do was overturn Roe versus Wade on a federal level and all of our problems would be solved. And as the pro-life movement has moved from pro-birth to pro-life, because you have to admit the first maybe 10, 15 years, it was all about getting abortion ended. So just have your kid, don't kill your kid, that was fine. And then the pro-life community started to step up and do a much better job. Okay, if you're a mom and you've got three options that you now know about, a lot of women, it's really that basic. You'd be amazed at the number of women who are post-abortive, who had an abortion, who didn't know that they could actually have put their child up for adoption. Can you believe it? We just kind of take it for granted, but there are a lot of women who don't know. And so every piece of legislation that has been passed, you can see the enemy working. And when I talk about the enemy, I'm not just talking about your political enemy. I'm talking about the devil himself who enters into the hearts and minds of people and convinces them that killing a preborn child in the womb is okay, that killing a person with special or different needs is okay, that ending the life of an elderly person because you don't want to have to take care of them is okay. That's what the enemy says. But the pro-life person says that life begins at conception and has value and dignity and is worth respect all the way up through the end of days when God determines that life will end. I was talking with a good friend of mine about this very recently. Uh, I won't mention his name. Uh, you would know him if I did mention his name. But we've become good friends for the past 15, 20 years in the ministry world. His dad died about four years ago. And uh, actually, his dad passed away uh, shortly after they had had a whole family get together at Christmas time. I invited him to my wedding. Lisa and I got married on New Year's Eve of 2019. And he had to decline because he said, hey, we're going back east. We're going to spend time with my dad. He's not doing well. And it turned out that was the last time he and his siblings were all with mom and dad together again. It was a very tender time. So, so I'll forgive you for not coming to my wedding, right? 
But then recently his mom passed away as well. And he said the last four years of her life were so hard being apart from her husband, being in declining health. She was 93 years old. And she just used to pray every day, Lord, please take me home. I just said, why am I still here? Well, obviously she knew there was a reason for her to be there. She was in good enough health. Not once did he and I ever have the conversation, gosh, my mom is old and I wonder if there's something I could, no. No, 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 no. We preserve, pro-life means you preserve the sanctity of human life, even as your elderly parents and grandparents are getting up there, even as, as my daughter Kaylee likes to say, they're entering the stadium on the final lap of their marathon and everyone's cheering and they're just kind of shuffling along, getting away through there, hopefully in not too much pain. That's what it means to be pro-life from conception to graduation. But there are states like California, Colorado, Michigan, and others that have actually been going after uh, human babies in the womb and making them targets. It's bad enough that in many states, a child can be uh, murdered in the womb legally up until birth, up until labor and delivery. In some cases, like here in the People's Republic of California, a child can be murdered, uh, left for dead by an abortionist and or a mom could just abandon the child out in the cool night air and not face any criminal charges. Well, now Colorado apparently has taken the cake when it comes to a number of bills that have been signed into law, an avalanche of pro-abortion legislation that uh, really has just, it's, it's absolutely unthinkable. It's bad enough to say if an abortionist tries to attempt an abortion and the child survives, that the abortionist would not face any charges if something happens to the child. The child doesn't live. But what state could actually make it illegal to give life-saving care to a preborn child? I'm going to talk about which state it is. If you're listening to KLDC, you're there. And we'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so good to have you along for the ride here on this Monday, doing an analysis, balance, and clarity segment on the sanctity of human life. And this bill that was recently signed in Colorado, I'm going to read a letter to you. Jim Daly at Focus on the Family uh, was the one who actually wrote this. And uh, it's rather lengthy, but I, I want you to hear it because um, basically what happened in Colorado is just unbelievable with regard to the sanctity of human life. This is what Jim writes. Uh, For many years now, pro-abortion advocates have attempted to perfect the art of using soft words to describe dark deeds. 
and nowhere more regularly or dangerously than in his, his home state's General Assembly. Last month, pro-abortion zealots in Colorado introduced a series of three bills, all of which have now been signed by Governor Jared Polis. One, called the Reproductive Health Equity Act, will establish the Centennial State as one of the most pro-abortion destinations in the country. The three bills liberalize existing abortion laws and restrict and reduce the wonderful work of pregnancy medical clinics across Colorado. SB 23-190, deceptively titled Prohibiting Deceptive Practices at Anti-Abortion Centers, bans the reversal of the effects of chemical abortion. In short, legislators want to make it illegal for a once abortion-minded woman who has a change of heart to save her baby. Why? Abortion advocates claim there is not enough medical evidence that the taking of progesterone, a naturally occurring hormone, is safe for a woman. Progesterone is used to reverse an ongoing chemical abortion. It must be taken within a few hours of starting the chemical cocktail, and over 4,000 women have already halted their chemical abortions through this process. In reality, any risk of side effects of progesterone is best weighed by the woman's doctor, and there's no evidence that women are being harmed by taking the hormone. Keep that in mind. In fact, at Focus on the Family, they have ample evidence that children's lives have been saved by the treatment, and mothers have not suffered in the process. Yet, we do know that a woman who has started the chemical abortion process and does not take the hormone will suffer the loss of her child. The legislation also bans pregnancy resource centers from advertising their services under the premise that their facilities mislead and misrepresent themselves. Once more, the opposite is true. Unlike abortion clinics, which often tout their array of quote-unquote medical services, but rarely if ever offer prenatal care, PRCs actually deliver a variety of services, minus the highly lucrative service of abortion. The use of the word choice by abortion clinics is just as misleading, making it illegal for a clinic or doctor to prescribe life-saving progesterone to halt and reverse an ongoing chemical abortion eliminates a woman's choice. You have to wonder, why is there such a determined and concentrated effort to silence pro-life champions? Where, what are abortion activists afraid of? And why do they feel compelled to violate Americans' First Amendment rights in order to accomplish their dark and deadly objectives? Clearly, abortion activists are so hostile to life and its beauty that they're attempting to ban life-saving care. The words of Jim Daly, uh, the president of Focus on the Family. Uh, we'll put the entire letter up at thebottomlineshow.com. But I wanted you to hear that because when you look at these bills that were signed in Colorado, it's incredible. First of all, the so-called chemical abortion that the abortion industry is now trying to relabel as the medical abortion. If you had a chance to hear the National Crawford Roundtable podcast last week, I encourage you to uh, go back and check it out if you didn't get a chance to. Um, one of the attorneys from Alliance Defending Freedom was with us, and she was explaining how the Alliance Defending Freedom is now involved in a case that the, uh, that the Supreme Court is going to take up as to whether or not mifepristone, which is the first of the two chemical abortion drugs that a woman takes. She has to take two. One of them, mifepristone, literally starves the baby. It cuts off the food supply between mother and child in the womb. The second drug, um, which has a similar name, and it escapes me right now, is the one that basically has to force a woman's body to release the child. Remember, if a woman has what is called a natural, well, we call it a miscarriage, but technically it's a natural abortion. If the child dies in the womb, before uh, labor and delivery. The body, if it happens naturally, has a way of saying, okay, here comes your kid. And, uh, and, and mom's body will then 
you know, uh, be free from that child. The child will be free from the mother's body. In the case of an abortion, you literally have to do things to a woman's body to get her body to give the baby up. Mom's body is thinking, no, child's supposed to stay in the womb. Uh, everything's supposed to stay closed up until the baby's ready to be born. Her body knows how to do this because that's the way God made her and the baby. So abortionists don't, they, they try to skate all around the fact that they literally have to force their way in there to get the baby out of there. So the Reproductive Health Equity Act, which is incredible, and the Prohibiting Deceptive Practices at Anti-Abortion Centers. Basically, the argument is because many pregnancy resource centers aren't officially licensed with the state, that when they tell you they can reverse an abortion, well, here's the deal. We already passed a bill now that makes it illegal for a woman to take a medication that will reverse abortion, an abortion process that they call medical. So they want to kill the kid with medication and they call it a, a medical abortion, but pregnancy resource centers can give you progesterone that, stop, that, that will stop the effect of the first pill taking effect. In other words, restore nutrition to the preborn child but the abortion industry says, no, that's not legal. It's not safe. It hasn't been tested for that. Well, guess what? Alliance Defending Freedom has a legal case right now before the Supreme Court. It's been argued in the Fifth Circuit Court that basically says you can't mail these pills around because they were never tested for abortion. They work for abortion, but they were never approved. So why is that important? Why is that significant? We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, good to have you along for this analysis, balance, and clarity segment of the program. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, actor, director, producer Ben Davies is going to join me to talk about his brand new movie that's available at Pure Flix now called Cream of the Crop, based on actual events about a real estate guy who uh, sweeps into town, basically trying to foreclose on a farm, and the farmer's daughter's trying to save it. And of course, they fall in love and learn a lot from each other. And you know, it has a happy ending. Uh, we'll be giving away some month-long subscriptions to PureFlix as well. So, by the way, if you want to call in for those now, it's uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, Jim Daly at Focus on the Family wrote an op-ed last week in the Daily Citizen, which is their, uh, it's his blog there, talking about the three anti-life bills that have been signed by Governor Jared Polis in Colorado. Uh, one of them, the Prohibiting Deceptive Practices at Anti-Abortion Centers Act, basically says, even though everything they're doing at the pregnancy resource centers is true, because they're not officially licensed with the state, therefore it's deceptive. The Reproductive Health Equity Act basically makes it more, more possible for a woman to get a quote-unquote medical abortion. I mean, and the, and the list goes on. What's interesting is when you think about this, I mean, think about that expectant mother, say, Colorado Springs. She's frightened. She's panicked. She starts the chemical abortion process. Then within hours, she has regret. And she goes to a, a pregnancy resource center, and they say, no, no, there's something you could do you can go ahead and take this medication. Basically what they're doing is saying, if you start the medical the chemical abortion process now in Colorado, you have to go through with it. There is no recourse. There is no counsel. What They don't have any obligation legally to tell you what you're doing to your preborn child. They don't have any obligation to tell you that you can reverse it after the first step if you have 
buyer's remorse. Heck, you get 72 hours buyer remorse for buying a car, but not for killing your child? Unbelievable. But this is the world we're living in, brothers and sisters, and this is why I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we are partnering with Preborn Pregnancy Resource Centers right now, right here in this area, to keep this type of nonsense from happening. Women can get free ultrasounds at Preborn because of your $28 donation. Every $28 donation provides a free ultrasound and pregnancy test and a, an exam at a Preborn Resource Center. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. I uh, want to thank uh, Tracy for calling in a, a donation, a monthly of two uh, ultrasounds each and every month. Also, Hernando from Chula Vista called in last week with a $28 monthly pledge. Think about that. $28 per month saves one baby per month. And the good news about preborn, and what I love about working with preborn, is not only are they saving babies, but they're saving mothers' souls as well. Because the moms who come in for the ultrasound are also hearing the gospel. They have a very intentional gospel presentation for a lot of these women, either who grew up in the church or maybe they've never heard the good news before. Nearly 10,000 women dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ last year at pre-born clinics because of your donations. Or if God has blessed you and you have the means to make a one-time $15,000 donation, you could donate an entire ultrasound machine. $15,000 for a machine that will provide at least 250 ultrasounds per year for a minimum of 10 years. Completely tax deductible and every dollar you donate to preborn goes to ultrasound technology. They have a whole separate fundraising campaign for administrative stuff. We're not part of that. We are raising money for ultrasound machines and ultrasound visits to save babies' lives. It's just that simple. 833-850-BABY is the number to call with your gift. 833-850-2229 or click on the preborn banner when you go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. We'll take a quick break here on this Movie Monday when we continue. Ben Davies joins me to talk about Cream of the Crop on Pure Flix. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact K. Bright's personal injury attorney today at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show today. Roger Marsh joined for this conversation by Ben Davies, a multi-talented actor and athlete who is in a brand new movie that you're really going to love. It's called Cream of the Crop. And we've got a link for this uh, website, uh, creamofthecropfilm.com, uh, up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ben Davies, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Oh, thank you so much for bringing me back. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Cream of the Crop sounds like a lot of fun. Tell, give us a 90-second overview, if you would, of the film. Cream of the Crop is the romantic comedy that you stopped seeing in the early 2000s where you could just enjoy two people who are flawed coming together to become a fantastic union as God intended. 
and not halfway through get a lecture about climate change or how <laughs> someone was actually perfect the entire time. Right, you know? right. So uh -huh. it is like a return to almost like normal TV shows that you enjoy watching that I hope everyone will enjoy watching and that has positive message strung throughout it. What a great, succinct way of describing this project and why you're going to love the trailer and you're going to love watching this on Pure Flix, where it is now. You have been working a lot in the industry for quite some time. You kind of grew up in the industry, though, if I'm not mistaken. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I was um, wild. My mother started a modeling and talent agency in the Southeast the year I was born. And uh, her mission was always to equip young actors and models and talents to go into these almost like those Sodom and Gomorrah cities of New York and Los Angeles right, and be right. lights to the darkness and also be able to walk their faith out once they got there and prepared to do great at their craft when they're there. And so just by default, because you know, my mom's teaching these classes and yeah. you know we didn't have babysitters all the time, I was just learning <laughs> some of the craft unintentionally. And I did a lot of commercials and stuff growing up, but where the Lord was really blessing me and where I thought he was leading me was in sports. And uh, at one point I was the best American decathlete, which is a track and field event. In, uh, in American history. And so I went on to run at the University of Florida and University of Georgia. And uh, then I got an injury in college. And as soon as I came out of the surgery, my agent called me and was like, hey, Ben, do you have time to go on like a movie audition? I know you normally don't have time because you're busy this time of year, but you have time. And I was like, yeah, I've got six months to kill. My <laughs> coaches don't care what I'm doing. So let's do it. Right. Yeah. She's like, yeah, there's this small church in Georgia you may have heard of called Sherwood. Mm -hmm. like, they start these mm -hmm. projects and there's this movie called Courageous that there's a role that kind of fits your demographic. Why don't you go down there and check it out? And so um, I went down there, met the Kendrick brothers. And then I got the call a few weeks later that I booked the role of David Thompson. And then yeah. from there, it's been a lot of, I've been fortunate to be a lot of, be a part of a lot of terrific projects. Yeah, certainly. And uh, we're talking about his latest where he plays Mike Jared in the new movie, Cream of the Crop. Ben Davies is my guest today here on the Bottom Line Show. I, I, I wonder, what, what was it like for you? I don't know if too many pastors or main media figures or whatever who didn't have some kind of athletic story i think of john MacArthur, at grace church here in southern california was a baseball player until he got hurt and spent a semester i think a flat on his back in the hospital or something like that said, okay well i guess that's the end of it what does it do to you emotionally psychologically you know especially the prepare the preparation for the decathlon 10 different events versus preparing for playing a role like mike or you know showing up in courageous or some of the other i mean the some of the lighter parts that you've played like in war room you know where you you know playing a cop busting someone for ice cream i mean the, you've got you you've got a wide range that you've played but how did the athletic training prepare you for where god's really led you today yeah i think you really hit on something in that you really to know what it takes to be good at something, you learn so clearly in sports, just the meritotic, meritocratic, Amer meritocratic uh, aspects of that, where it's just you get rewarded for doing this well. And you know how much work it takes to get it. And some people can get away with just being really gifted and skilled in a few in a few areas. But eventually, when you reach certain levels, I mean, you are reaching to where you can't just rely on your natural gifts. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, a lot of failures, a lot of getting back up a lot of changing your tactics throughout it. So you know the work that goes into it. Because that's one, honestly, one of the um, the main questions that I get from people who reach out. They're like, hey, I feel like the Lord really wants me to get into acting. Where do I go to get my agent? Or like, how do I get a movie role? And I'm like, it's awesome. Like, have you looked up any training, like acting training in your area to like be a part of any like local plays that you can work on? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta have to put in the work and learn somewhere. And so that's how you really know if someone's going to make it. If they're like, Oh yeah, I'm you know working every day. I'm taking these classes. Like right. that really, that, that is a separation of itself. 
I think specifically with the uh, the decathlon, which was interesting to me, like you said, the different roles I've been a part of, is the the, the events in track and field are so incredibly different. The 100 yep. meter dash is an entirely different mindset, a different preparation for the long jump, and the long jump is very different. Getting ready for the shot put, I mean, it's different types of aggression or relaxation or a fighting. I mean, like with the 400 meter dash is just like a, a war. I always felt like when I was going into it, pole vault is very different than, you know, trying to relax in the high jump or something. So I think that did actually translate like, well to me because you shoot these scenes out of order. I mean, sometimes you're right. we weeping over your, you know, your dead wife in one scene and then the next you're engaged, you know, <laughs> so you'll turn it off yeah. and then kick back into it. So I've had some roles like that too, but, and that really is the most fun for me as an actor. I, I so love getting into those different characters, whether it be someone who's very damaged and dealing with incredible heartache, like in Fearless Faith, where I play a cop across from Jason Berkey from, from uh, October Baby. That's a, a great project that I really enjoyed. And actually Aaron Bethay from Fireproof. She's in that too. Um, or something that's just more fun and enjoyable, like Cream of the Crop, where you're just a young man who's has everything at his fingertips and he's done everything that, you know, this like modernity obsessed society thinks he's going to make you happy, but he's not, he's, he's unfulfilled. He doesn't feel satisfied. He doesn't want to go the same route as his father. And so you get to play like a young man who's falling in love while also discovering new meaning and new purpose and what he's doing in his life. And I think those are great. And then also another shout out to a movie that I love is I'm not ashamed. The, uh, the Rachel mm -hmm. Scott story, yeah. um, getting ready for that, being able to experience that kind of affection and, pure like love and admiration for somebody just to have a small taste of that when you're pretending is means a lot to me just to be a part of people's stories like that because you know i i don't i get bored with just the everyday mundane tasks like being able okay. to jump into these situations and have it just be on camera and not not always or, <laughs> you know and always real life it's great because then it gives you a new perspective on life too i mean when you prepare for a role where you're a homeless guy you have a completely new perspective now and empathy for people that found themselves in these situations and things that may have led them down that path. So it's, it is a really in sports with my sports background, I had to be really particular and, and intentional with the different styles that I was doing. And same thing with these, any, any of these acting roles, really. Ben Davies is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I love the enthusiasm he brings to his craft and also to the work that we're uh, witnessing now on Pure Flix. It's Cream of the Crop, a brand new movie that's out. We've got a trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. In this movie, Ben, you play, it's interesting because I know you're a family man. I know family is very important to not only you, but a lot of the people who watch these films. When you have this kind of David versus Goliath type of situation where you got a young woman who's, you know, kind of digging in and saying, we've got this farm and, you know, this is our family farm. We're going to hang on to it. I wonder how many people in a younger generation would look at that and say, well, just sell it. I mean, duh. I mean, if it's not working, take the money and go do something else. The idea that she's fighting for her family and your character might get to come along and, and say, no, I'm part of the process. I'm part of the problem. And then I become part of the solution. Talk about why that's an important message for people to hear, especially right now in the church. Yeah, there's an important message for people in each situation. There's like three situations going on in Cream the Crop. There's the there's her family, her father, who is very much holding on to all the the blood, sweat, and tears and the meaning and the legacy that his family has put into this farm and how the, the generations that have sacrificed so much to keep it running, and he's not gonna let he him let it die on his watch, pretty much. Right. And he's gonna go down with the ship. And then you have the daughter who's trying to get him to be reasonable but she doesn't really have a solution and then you have my character who's uh, an outsider um who needs to learn so much in his own life and in his personal life however he has been gifted this skill set that he almost like resents and that he sees opportunity and knows how to develop and make the most of it 
And um, he gets to use those tools and use those life lessons that that God gave him in his, in his career to now help something that really, really matters and be able to pour into them and actually be able to continue their dreams. But also they're not going to be stuck just in their own ways. You know, you know, we can never go back to the 1900s. Like things are going to change. You right. make sure they change right. for the better. And so he had to, I get to help the family be able to get on their feet and also to preserve this incredible legacy that their family has, has, um, you know, put so much blood, sweat and tears into with the farm. Mm, it's a it's a great redemptive story, and we, we all love good redemptive stories. But it's the kind of uh, film that you can you can enjoy it on just on the surface, but then also there it leaves you with a little something. And I think that's a, a very very uh, benefit uh, beneficial uh, and a great benefit of this movie. Cream of the Crop is the new movie starring Ben Davies, my guest today here on the Bottom Line. It's streaming exclusively at Pure Flix, and we've got links for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Just a few moments left in our time together, Ben. What's on the horizon for you? You're a busy guy. We've got a lot of projects going on. What can we be looking for you in next? Yeah, I'm shooting a movie that I think will also be on Pure Flix called uh, Hometown Hollywood, which is also a return to those kind of fun, fun movies of like almost uh, what's a great analogy for that? It'd be like uh, Sweet Home Alabama, but a little okay. more Christian. You know, it's great mm -hmm. that that kind of uh, that kind of story and that kind of arc. It's it was great. It, we already shot the teaser for it, so I'll be shooting that this summer. Really excited about it. You can also check me out on um, the Michael Knowles show. I'm the producer at the Daily Wire for the Michael Knowles Excellent. show. So we get to, to also delve into politics and just culture mm -hmm. stuff. So those are two things you can look for. That sounds like fun. Are we going to see your kids parading in front of the camera like your mom put you out to this at <laughs> some point? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a few that definitely could. Right now, I'm just enjoying the stage of life they're in. There you go. I love it. Well, great. Well, we'll put all things Ben Davies up at the bottomlineshow.com as well and, and continue to success to you, not only on the production side, but also in front of the camera as well. Ben Davies, the star of Cream of the Crop, which is new and now streaming at pureflix.com. Uh, that trailer is up there as well to watch. Ben, thank you so much for your time and the great work that you continue to do. Appreciate you being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Cream of the Crop looks like a lot of fun, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it based on a true story, of course. My thanks to Ben Davies for joining us for this conversation here. We have three one-month Pure Flix subscriptions up for grabs, and when you get that Pure Flix subscription, you can watch Cream of the Crop and some of the other great movies they have available there. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, you're going to be asking for the Pure Flix one-month subscription. We have three of them to give away. And the movie you're going to want to watch first when you get that new subscription is Cream of the Crop, starring Ben Davies, who's been my guest today here on The Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue... We love Pure Flicks and the faith-based movies at Fathom Events and some of the other great uh, projects that are made available to us to share with you here on the Bottom Line Show. But we also realize, too, that we're kind of walking out of step with the mainstream culture. And it's interesting because there are a lot of us in the body of Christ who would like to see the culture change to reflect more biblical worldview. But maybe as part of God's redemptive plan, they're just getting a bit more vulgar and a bit more obscene in the culture, especially as far as the media goes, to uh, to basically provide a darker backdrop for the light that we shine before others so they would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. But who's winning the war? That's the question. Well, I'll tell you who's winning the war, in all honesty. The influencers are there, but they're not going to have a platform as long as they don't have advertising to back it up. And what's happening in late-night TV 
I want to give you some good news. Don't be discouraged by the things that you hear and see about what these late night talk show, quote unquote, comedians are doing, because the reality is the audiences really aren't buying it after all. I'll explain how we're measuring that coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Ben Davies, actor, writer, director, producer, uh, radio podcast producer of The Michael Knowles Show and star of the new Pure Flix movie called Cream of the Crop. Uh, it's streaming now, and we are going to give you an opportunity to stream along with them. We have three one-month Pure Flix subscriptions to give away, and we're giving them away right now here on this Movie Monday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Speaking of movies, of course, there are lots of uh, uh movies that are running on television and all sorts of different platforms as well. But when you get right down to it, there are still a lot of Americans that watch late night TV. They watch the national newscasts. I mean, you you might fall in that category as well. Uh, Full transparency here. I have not watched a network newscast in years. I do watch summaries online. I watch a variety of different news sources and read a variety of different news sources. But like World News Tonight or CBS Evening News, no interest whatsoever. Unless I'm visiting with my parents, they like to watch the PBS NewsHour, which is pretty much state-sponsored news. But And maybe the local channels every now and again for local stories. But for the most part, I'm not there. I, I know a lot of Americans aren't there either. And yet you've got the Jimmy Fallons of the world and the Jimmy Kimmels and the Stephen Colbert's. And a lot of people really like those guys. They like watching Comedy Central. They're bummed that Trevor Noah's no longer on the, the Daily Show. And they love John Oliver and all these other people. They're just so funny, says they. But are they really all that funny? Anyone can dig up a clip of Jimmy Fallon talking about, uh, you know, something that's near and dear to his heart. Jimmy Kimmel lamenting his son having uh, medical challenges. Stephen Colbert talking about trying to be a good Catholic on late night TV. But then at the same time, last week I'm reading about Colbert talking about the Fox News versus Dominion trial. And he's, oh, this is the Super Bowl and this is whatever. And when he was describing Rupert Murdoch, he literally had a picture up of what appeared to be men's genitalia with a pair of glasses on them. And he thought that was funny. I, I think that's vulgar. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, gosh, what in the world are you doing? One minute people are holding Colbert up as to be this great example of a Catholic witness. And the next minute he's pulling that type of stuff. Well, an interesting uh, report out of Daily Variety came out. And their spin on it was one take, but I'm going to venture a guess at something else. Um, the late night talk show hosts they have been measured and have found wanting over the past five years or so. Now, understandably, there's been a lot of political fodder for the late night talk shows ever since Donald Trump's election in November of 2016. Once Trump left office, there was enough of that election was stolen. Let's keep bringing him back up. You know, kind of the ghost of Donald Trump's presidency uh, actually kept coming up as well. But they spend so much time focusing on that type of stuff. How much money are the late night talk shows actually making? Well, Daily Variety noted that in 2018, there were seven late night programs that they started tracking. They were tracking The Tonight Show on NBC, also Late Night, that's uh, Seth Meyers. Uh, Jimmy Fallon does The Tonight Show. CBS has The Late Show with uh, uh, Colbert and uh, The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's leaving at the end of this year, I think. Jimmy Kimmel Live on ABC, 
The Daily Show on Comedy Central. And just for good measure, if you want to really pile up the numbers, they threw Saturday Night Live in there. Now, remember, Saturday Night Live was taking aim at the Carol Burnett Show, of all places, when they started in 1975. Carol Burnett had been on for, what, 10 years, something like that, and they thought they could knock her off her horse. They're coming up on their 50th anniversary of Saturday Night Live soon, and what are you going to do? Well, from 2018 to 2023, there's been a drop in revenue for those seven programs. Actually, a rather significant drop just in the past four years alone. Now, it's interesting because Daily Variety says, well, you know, I mean, a lot of platforms have moved to streaming and then there was the pandemic. So you couldn't do live shows and, you know, whatever and didn't have the audiences. So that's why the numbers are the way they are. Okay, Um, The seven programs I just mentioned in 2018 had gross ad revenue of nearly seven hundred million dollars. Okay, so on average, I mean, it's a weighted average, about 100 million per show. That's what the kind of business they were doing in 2018. So if you had a late night program and you paid your star 15, 20 million dollars a year, but you knew you were going to gross over 100 million, it's a pretty good investment. By 2022, that number had dropped to 400 million. That, by the way, percentage wise, I mean, you could do the drop. I mean, that, that that's a $300 million annual drop, but it's a 41% drop in revenue. Daily Variety says basically it was because of COVID. Um, this is a 4,500 word story in Daily Variety, by the way, that talks about late night. And the first 22 paragraphs go on and on and on and on until they finally mention the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And that is the guy called Greg Gutfeld. His program on Fox News Channel is Cleaning House. He's mentioned only three times in this 4,500-word piece. Jimmy Kimmel, who has lower ratings than Gutfeld. Remember, Jimmy Kimmel's on ABC, National Network. Gutfeld is on Fox News Channel. Not always available in every city. But Jimmy Kimmel gets six times as much ink in the variety story as Gutfeld does. But may I suggest that there's another reason why the late night talk shows aren't doing as well? I don't think it's so much about money. That's just the reflection. Maybe it has to do with another M word, and that would be morality. Let's take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. 
It all counts towards saving babies' lives. KBrightRadio.com. Hit the preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Movie Monday edition of the program, by the way. And if you want to check out my interview with Ben Davies, the star of the new Pure Flix movie called Cream of the Crop about a young woman who's helping her dad try to save the family farm and a real estate tycoon, Ben Davies, who comes to try to force them to sell their property and they wind up you know having a little romance and they both learn a little bit about each other in the process it's a very redemptive story we have three one month subscriptions that are free to pureflix.com that we're giving away this hour here on movie monday 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line and by the way we also have a couple of more uh, showings, screenings, uh, links, if you will, of the movie Dennis Wilson is making available to Bottom Line Show listeners. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's everything you want to know about how the retirement system became the retirement system that we have with IRAs and 401ks and whatnot. And basically, if you or basically, it, the movie explains why they aren't always the best investment, why the pension system in the United States has gone away and what to do if you're a baby boomer or Generation X and you're nearing retirement and you realize you may not have enough to make it through retirement. Uh, Dennis can help you with that. Call for the screener. We'll be happy to send it to you. It's a link that you can watch the movie on. It's got some bonus material as well. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 The number to get you through to the bottom line. We've got three one-month subscriptions to Pure Flix for the Ben Davies movie, and we have a dozen copies of The Baby Boomer Dilemma that we're also giving away thanks to Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial. Uh, before the break, I was talking about the story from Daily Variety that said that the ad revenue for America's late-night TV programs has gone down by 41% over the past five years, from nearly $700 million to just over $400 million. Two reasons why. The, the industry says, well, it was COVID and it's streaming platforms. Well, trust me. If you watch ABC for Jimmy Kimmel Live, there's also a way to stream that. I mean, and there's also a way for them to monetize that. So I'm not so quick to jump on that one. But you get a guy like Greg Gutfeld who's kind of funny, but he has more of a moral compass than these clowns do. But also, too, let's just let, let's not be deceived. There's nothing funny about the sin that's happening in the world right now nothing what we're seeing is god redeeming his creation to himself the work that jesus began on the cross not only to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin but to redeem all of creation to him we kind of got a glimpse of that at the beginning of the covid pandemic didn't we we began to see people who placed their faith and trust in god and who placed their faith and trust in unproven scientific methods but when people stop going to work every day, all of a sudden it's like, wow, the mountains are so green and the skies are so blue. And it was kind of a foretaste of what the new heaven and new earth are going to be like, right? Well, now you've got a couple of different parables in the gospels where Jesus uh, basically shows his disciples situations where they're confronted with wheat and weeds or wheat and tares. And what does he say? They In the story, the question is asked, should we go ahead and pull weeds and separate them from the wheat and jesus says no let everything come up until it's time for harvest and at the harvesting there will be the separation so as people are growing stronger in their christian faith this is a super short homily as people are growing stronger in their christian faith you're going to see more people who are more bold in their sin and god's saying yeah you you just for those who are going to be 
Christians and who are washed in the blood of the Lamb and Jesus Christ as their Lord as well as their Savior, you're going to see them doing even more mighty and wonderful and remarkable things in God's name for the faith. But for those who are sold out to their sin, you're going to see transgender ideology hammered down your throat and people living licentiously. And, and I mean, you've got pop stars who are morbidly obese saying, I'm the new standard for beauty and whatever. And rather than saying the solution is to Christianize the culture, rather to say, hey, look, this is God beginning the redemption, continuing the redemption of all of creation. And our job is to be faithful, to remain at our post, to tell the story of the good news of the gospel, honestly and truthfully. So then as Jesus was sharing in the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, let your light so shine before others that they would see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. I always used to hate that verse when I was a kid. Let your light so shine before others so they would see your good deeds made, meant to me drawing attention to yourself. And I'm an introvert and I didn't want that. But I wanted them to glorify my father in heaven. I thought, well, wait a minute. If they see my good deeds, why would they glorify God? Because I'm the one who people are going to say, hey, good job. But in God's economy, this is the beautiful thing. You lose yourself in him to find your identity in him. And so the good that you are doing now, you're compelled by the Holy Spirit to do. You're not trying to earn your way into heaven or get a better place in heaven. You're really trying to live out your faith. And so when you are doing good under the control of and the power of the Holy Spirit, people will see the good works that you're doing and say, that doesn't look like Roger, that looks like God working through him. And may it be so for each of us in our lives, especially as these days continue to grow darker and darker. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next. For those who remain on the network, more of the bottom line in just a moment. Keep it right here. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We've still got a couple of these Pure Flicks uh, giveaways to give away uh, in honor of the movie Cream of the Crop starring Ben Davies, who was my guest last half hour. 800-227-5278. Uh, get you through to the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. Take advantage of the great quality Christian content and faith-based programming that pureflix.com has to offer. And uh, it is a subscription-based subscription model. So, of course, we uh, are always happy to offer you a free one-month subscription, which is what we're giving away today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Today was a huge day in media. I was just mentioning the late-night talk show wars and how many of these uh, late-night shows are losing revenue now. But two of the bigger names on the uh, cable news channel, including one of the biggest, have uh, kind of walked the plank with their respective employers at Fox News and CNN. Uh, James Herson is a culture, law, and business analyst who has been a regular contributor to the Bottom Line Show for many, many years. And uh, James and I were going to talk about artificial intelligence, which we will get into, which is posted at jamesherson.com. But with such a big day, just kind of God's great sense of humor that we have this lined up for a conversation today. James Herson, brother, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Oh, it's great to be with you, Roger. Yeah, yeah these, this is bombshell news, uh, which kind of borders the area that's my wheelhouse because I work in the entertainment industry. I'm an entertainment lawyer. I'm a licensed talent agent. I work in this field. I, I, I look at sort of the comparative value of personalities and especially, you know, the Don Lemon one kind of, he was on the bubble. Uh, that's a minor media earthquake, but the Tucker Carlson 
departure from Fox is a massive media earthquake. Tucker Carlson being the most influential, the most powerful figure um, in in the media, uh, news media right now, and certainly the most powerful influential on Fox. Why do you think this happened? I mean, the Dominion the d- decision was handed down with the settlement being announced last week. I mean, of course, he and Sean Hannity and some of the other names were kicked around as uh, possible suspects, as it were. Is Fox trying to save face? Has he been unhappy with him? What What, what are you hearing, James Herson? Well, you can see a pattern with Fox. I mean, uh, Fox parted ways with Lou Dobbs kind of a long time ago after the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. They um, recently parted company with Laura Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, they just parted company with Dan Bongino. Yeah. Uh, Seb Gorpa, Gorka said today that Bongino had confided in him that this was over content, that uh, Fox management had talked to Bongino about restricting his content. Um, Tucker Carlson has built a large audience by going into areas where other cable personalities were scared to go into. And, you know, most recently he had a two night, well, he had two controversial guests. One was former President Donald Trump Uh and the other was. Twitter um, proprietor Elon Musk. And so this dovetails into our original (laughs) conversation Mm -hmm. because Musk said some very frightening things about artificial intelligence. But he also disclosed what he had found in in the Twitter files, what he has discovered to be factual and what he thought of the media in general. And I, I just think, you know, the media right now is speculating. They want to know what the reasons are. You mentioned the Dominion lawsuit. Well, the Dominion lawyers are on record today saying that there was nothing in the settlement that related to Tucker Carlson's career because mm-hmm. that the media was hounding them. Right. Um, there's a, a question of during the Dominion lawsuit, some text messages were disclosed where Allegedly, uh, Tucker and others disparaged the leadership at Fox, uh, knowing the size of Tucker Carlson's audience, knowing the popularity, knowing how much it means to the Fox brand. I can't imagine that that's the reason. So I have to think um, from some sort of perspective there. I'm guessing, of course. But I think there was a discussion. Tucker uh, reportedly in his contract had absolute freedom huh. with whatever guests he wanted to have. And recently, you know, he tested that freedom. He, In addition to the former president and Elon Musk, he had on Robert Kennedy Jr. Mm, who, yes. p- part of Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, entire mission is based on, you know, he wrote a book called The Real Dr. Fauci. And in the process of that discussion, um, Tucker basically upset the largest source of revenue for Fox. Mm -hmm. 
mm. which is the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. is, of course, Pfizer. So it seems logical to me that that has a direct bearing yeah. on this. Uh, but But I don't know for sure. But here's the important point, uh, Roger. If we look at the world, the entire world, there is no media figure, currently a media figure, um, other than the former president, Donald Trump, that has uh, this unique position that Tucker Carlson holds. Mm-hmm. And that is that he is a walking, talking media enterprise. And his large audience will follow him. And so as I I tweeted out today, my prediction is that Tucker Carlson will become Joe Rogan on steroids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joe Rogan has actually a larger audience than anyone in media because he his Spotify podcast is so incredibly popular. And so and, and so I think Tucker Carlson actually is in a stronger position to launch that than almost anyone. You know, Bill, Bill O'Reilly tried to do it. Right. Megan Kelly, she went to the Today Show, and then she's done pretty well as an independent voice. But the audience of Tucker Carlson is different. And so I think he's uniquely positioned. Uh, he's going to get offers from everywhere, including, you know, Newsmax TV, a company I've been associated with for more than two decades, mm-hmm. um, which is a great company and has been the chief beneficiary of the viewers that left Fox starting in 2020 and now are going to leave Fox over this because this is perceived as Fox becoming part of the problem, becoming part of the legacy establishment media that Americans have lost faith in. Very interesting turn of events today here on the Bottom Line Show. James Herson is with me, jamesherson.com, media analyst, uh, legal uh, expert when it comes to, you know, not only the handling of the behind the scenes, but in front of the camera. Uh, we have a great piece of his on artificial intelligence up at thebottomlineshow.com that we'll get to on the other side of this break. But I'm grateful that James is giving us a little bit of help because I know a, bottom, a lot of Bottom Line listeners like watching Tucker Carlson on Fox Network. He, he has that trusted voice. And you mentioned he that Joe Rogan on steroids the thing I think that people like about Joe Rogan so much, James, and tell me, I want to get your opinion on this, but the appeal of Joe Rogan is he's us. He's that every man on the outside who pays attention, who asks the uncomfortable questions, who doesn't appear to be beholden to any uh, stockholders or shareholders or you know any major corporations or political parties. He just wants to get to the bottom of the issue. And in the case of Tucker Carlson, he's been so closely identified with the conservative right-wing news media for a long time. When you unleash that and put him, I mean, Rogan has proven that if you go on Spotify with the right message, you will build a huge audience. Tucker has that kind of, I was at CNN, I was at Fox News, you know, I'm part of the legacy, but now I'm going to step outside of it and I still got enough uh, gas of the tank to really uh, wreak some havoc here. Uh, do you get the sense that Spotify is first in line to say, we want you to bring whatever you're doing here? Oh, I'm sure they're, they would make an offer to him. Uh, you know, Rogan already had a hit podcast when he had his offer. But what Tucker could do is be totally independent. He could launch 
on various platforms, you know, probably Rumble and others, um, and then establish the, a big audience and then go to a, a platform like Spotify. But he may take an offer from Newsmax or from Daily mm-hmm. Wire or some of these other. I was going to say Ben Shapiro. I'm sure has been ringing him off the hook today <laughs> to try to get him to come. Oh yeah, that way. his inbox is just flowing. But this is a guy. He's been in this since he was a teenager. He has the unique position where he actually had shows cancel from all three <laughs> <laughs> networks. He was on CNN. Uh-huh. MSNBC. That's right. He was there. And and Fox. Uh, and he had briefly had a show on PBS. And he's a, he's just an interesting guy. But what you said about Joe Rogan is people get the feeling that Joe Rogan is genuine, that he speaks from his heart. I, I pray for his heart. I want him to come to see the world a different way because he's pretty much, I think he's, he says he's an atheist, but he's more like an agnostic, Mm -hmm. but he, because he's open, I really expect him eventually to come and see the, you know, Christian worldview. Um, Much like I see Bill Maher moving in that direction and others, you know? So, um, but in any case, I think it's his, it's this devotion to honesty in a world of deception. I mean, we yeah. have never had such cynicism about our media, about government institutions, um, ever in, in the history of this nation. And it's deserved. The cynicism is deserved Very because true. they they have practiced the art of deception and they and they're continuing to do that. The most of the um, what, what's called the corporate media. And so people are searching for alternatives. And thank God they'll find a show like yours, Roger, where they get, <laughs> get uh, to hear truth. Yes. So it, and it's gotten that way. I mean, it's, it's true of religious programming. The censorship and the cancel culture has been, um, you know, just outrageous in the things that they label as intolerant or incitement, um, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and they've, they've been highly inconsistent and illogical. And it, it, it smacks of Soviet censorship rather than responsible filtering of content. Mm. Crazy. James Herson with me today here on The Bottom Line. James Herson, and that's H-I-R-S-E-N.com. Uh, we're talking about Tucker Carlson, a little bit of side order of Don Lemon, a little bit of Joe Rogan. As we continue, we're going to get into the real dangers of artificial intelligence. I mean, we're talking about real news anchors and real people who are sharing with you uh, good news, bad news, whatever news you're looking for. Uh, what happens when AI takes over and all of a sudden you don't get news anchors, you get artificial intelligence. You get chatbots coming up with the information that you think is real and you want to believe is real, but it's really not. James has some great insights to share on that uh, on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, one thing that is very real that's happening in the world right now is more and more people are waking up to the fact that the human baby Life begins at conception, and the best way to see that is with an ultrasound. The abortion industry doesn't want you to see that, and that is why we here at the Bottom Line Show are so passionate about the work of preborn. And I'm thrilled to see the number of 
bottom line listeners who are pledging $28 a month, every $28 gift makes it possible for a woman to go to a preborn clinic, have a pregnancy test and an ultrasound, hear the heartbeat, see the images, and then find out what her options really are. At the abortion clinic, your option is you can have an abortion today or you can have it tomorrow. You can have it with pills or with surgery. But when you come to a pregnancy resource center like a preborn center, you get to find out how what resources are available for you to be a mom or to release that child for adoption. And 85% of the women who have ultrasounds done at preborn clinics choose life for their baby. A $140 donation makes it possible to save five babies' lives. Will you make that tax-deductible donation right now? Go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Click on the preborn banner or call toll-free 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Call preborn right now. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him for guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Oh, yeah. I know James Hurston is familiar with this one. James, have you ever jammed on a little Bob Dylan, you know, in your musical exploits? Oh, yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> played a nice version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. And yeah, then, there you go. Uh, yeah. Got to serve somebody. I there love um, the concept when Dylan understood, you know, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to yeah. serve somebody, and which is yeah. true. Yeah, it absolutely is. James Hurston is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We've been talking about Tucker Carlson's shocking departure from Fox News and a mild side order of Don Lemon leaving CNN, but that was just uh, too little too late, I think, at that point. Poor Don. Uh, I don't know where, you know, I was thinking, gosh, if the media handled things like professional sports teams, what if they tried to trade, you know, one to the other? What, how would that go over? I, I, I don't think CNN wants Tucker, and I don't think Tucker wants to be there at all. I mean, for sure. No, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think CNN or MSNBC or any of those outlets, but like we said, a lot of these alternative outlets would trade a first round draft pick and a couple <laughs> of great uh, anchors for one Tucker. Yeah, easily. They would easily do that. Of course, in the world that we're in right now uh, with, uh, you know, chatbots and you know, the different artificial intelligence that's happening. We've come a long way from that Robin Williams movie all those years ago and from Will Smith and everything. I mean, right now we've seen all sorts of AI showing up everywhere to the point where even some people in the AI technological world are saying, we've got to put the brakes on it. You wrote a great piece that we've got from jamesherson.com up on the real dangers of artificial intelligence. James, for kind of give us a 90 second overview of what you mean by artificial intelligence, and then let's start picking apart some sure. of these dangers. We live in a world of artificial intelligence, and there's two kinds, basically. There's a specialized artificial intelligence. When we use a search engine, that's artificial intelligence. Hmm. When we drive a car that has driver's assist 
are if we use Siri or Alexa. Mm -hmm. Those are forms of AI, but they're specialized. And so there's no concern when the programming, the algorithms are limited. They have built-in boundaries. The problem is what's called AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, which has the ability to find its own way to learn, to grow, to improve, and has human-like characteristics. And that's what we've seen with these open-source chatbots. And it's interesting, this dovetails with the Tucker Carlson thing, because he had a two-part show where he interviewed Elon Musk. And Elon Musk is, is one of the people that's calling for a pause. He says a pause. Um, and the reason he's calling for a pause, and he explained, um, it rela- is a spiritual reason in a way, because he has a friend that no longer will speak to him. It's one of the founders of Google named Larry Page. And Larry Page boasts that his artificial intelligence project is something where he wants to construct a, quote, digital god, close quote, Mm. to which Elon Musk objects, not that Elon Musk is particularly religious. It sounds like a digital tower of Babel, but when Elon Musk objected, Larry Page said, you're a speciesist. Okay, now, we, yeah. we, this is not the common vernacular. You know, we've been accused of various uh, forms of bigotry, but not speciesist. Speciesist favors human life over artificial life. Well, put me down as a speciesist because I believe Human life was created by God. It's sacred Amen. and special, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't actually believe in the notion of artificial life um, because it's soulless. But the problem is that in a, another interview that happened recently, the CEO of Google, uh, Sundar Pichai, was on 60 Minutes, and he said, "Well." His AI is developing capabilities, and nobody really knows what direction it's going. And and they, I, I think with Steve Croft, he said, you mean you don't have control of it? He says, no, we don't know where it's going. Hmm. To which I say, time to unplug it while you still can. Right. So right. in their stories, um, Salesforce, Inc., developed an artificial intelligence for the purpose of language, and on its own, it learned how to map human proteins. There's Mm. other stories where on its own, the AI has learned things that had nothing to do with its original purpose, and this is because uh, machine learning, as it's called, involves what we understand as a computer with a combination of software and hardware writing its own algorithms. Mm. So, and we've heard a lot about this word algorithm. An algorithm is a set of step-by-step instructions to a computer. But 
algorithms are very difficult to understand once they're created. They can be thousands of pages and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of steps. So they, there are now algorithms in existence that weren't designed by human beings. Mm. And, they're, and so what is happening is AI is developing and growing and developing its own uh, capabilities. And it has phenomena that are inexplainable that the computer people that run them call hallucinations. Interesting. Or the machine gets, in, it's like the machine is dreaming or fabricating. So there's, and they're all hooked in to the internet, which theoretically is hooked into a, a lot of important networks, economic networks, national security networks. So that, there has to be the pause that Elon, Steve Wozniak, one of the co-creators of Apple, and other um, tech experts have caused, called for. I think it has to be a nice long pause, and we have to have fail-safe mechanisms in case we lose control, as they already have. Mm -hmm. of the direction of the artificial intelligence. You know, it's amazing to listen to James Hurston talk about AI and uh, AGI and how it's impacting the culture already. And when you've got more than half the people working in the industries right now saying we need to pump the brakes, we need to stop this, you know, at least take a six month pause or possibly longer. James, we got about 60 seconds left in our time together. Um, I know that you call for this in, the, in your article too, saying it, it's time to pause this. Where are some places that we in the body of Christ can be looking for that might seem innocuous, but they really are sh saying, hey, watch out, this is, this is heading down a dangerous path? Well, you know, we see it in this open source AI that 100 million people have interacted with called Chat GTP. It's mm -hmm. in its fourth iteration. Um, an individual unfortunate person in Belgium was talked into committing suicide oh, no. by this chat GPT. We have to realize that th this, if, this is beyond any programmer's understanding now because it's going on its own. It's soulless, and it, the only values that are uh, in existence for AI are those that are programmed in. So mm -hmm. to this, for believers to understand to the extent that this is created by worldly people who perhaps are not believers and instill the, the trendy values into the machines, they, they're very dangerous. I mean, if God could create AI, it would be perfect, beautiful, and lovely, mm -hmm. but these are being created by imperfect men. So obviously our first thing is to be aware of it. We have to pray um, that the decision makers are listening to the warnings and we have to take a long pause and create boundaries. Like one example would be that we have a very expeditious way of cutting power to the massive server farms mm, yeah. that the AIs use if it becomes necessary. We also have to have um, boundaries on this particular thing of AGI. It, 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 we can't just let 
the artificial intelligence grow in whatever direction that it decides. I hate to, you know, use human terms on it. <laughs> right. It acts like it's human. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. And, and, and James, I appreciate you with your understanding of media psychology, how well people can be manipulated and how something like this could spread out of control. I mean, when you've considered that there's actually been one person who was convinced by AI to end their own life, this is so dangerous and it's so important. And that's why we're posting your article at jamesherson.com about the real danger of artificial intelligence. James, always a pleasure. Love your insights. And it worked out serendipitously on so many different levels today. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. It's my pleasure, Roger. And thank you for your continuous devotion to the truth. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting. We think in light of the fact that here you've got James writing about artificial intelligence and this artificial general intelligence that have advanced more rapidly than anticipated. This isn't the Sorcerer's Apprentice in Fantasia, you know, where Mickey's got the, hey, y'all get the mops and the buckets and, oh, you saw what happened there. Well, that was kind of an interesting experiment in animation. And it was kind of an interesting story. But when you get right down to it, this means potentially loss of life, loss of freedom, loss of liberty. And ultimately, let's remember too, when it comes time for Antichrist to show up, people are going to be worshiping the image of the beast. They're not, he, he can't, doesn't have that omnipresence, but he will give you the impression that he is everywhere. And a lot of people will be deceived. We're seeing a lot of people being deceived right now. I know there are some people who are heartbroken over a guy like Tucker Carlson leaving Fox News Channel because Fox News Channel, for a lot of viewers, is the only place you get truth. Remember, there are 335 million people in the United States, and they average viewership of between two and three million. But look at the kind of impact and influence that they have. Brothers and sisters, our commitment, of course, here at The Bottom Line Show is to truth and to ongoing dialogue about it and bringing you truthful guests who speak the truth about current events, but through the lens of scripture. Ultimately, the most important truth is that we are sinful people who are in a sinful fallen world. And while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. One day, everyone is going to have to give an account. It means we're going to have to pay the penalty of our sin. But no human being can do that. But God so loved the world that he gave us the opportunity to have this payment made in full through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you confess with your mouth that he's your Lord, then you'll be saved. That's how the payment is made for the penalty. But how many more people are going to hear that good news? We have a great commission to go and preach the gospel. That's the bottom line.